Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We got Josh Cantwell with us here today. Josh, I appreciate you coming back. And if you want to check out Josh's previous episode, check out episode number 151. And uh, we talked about the six revenue pillars uh, with Josh at this time. And this time, we're going to be talking about the nine traits of elite entrepreneurs. And I'm just really looking forward to this, Josh. You always bring a lot of great value. Yeah, so thanks for coming that. back. Hey, Jack. Yeah, thanks for inviting me back. It's been a minute. Uh, you know, a lot has changed. Obviously, the market's changed a lot in the last year or so. Uh, our portfolio has grown tremendously in the last year or two. Um, and I've been very fortunate to be able to interview a lot of people for my show and beyond shows and coach people and do my own investing. And, uh, you know, I've thought about all the different people that I've interviewed and some of the traits that it takes to be a really elite entrepreneur, a really elite investor. When I say elite, what I mean is somebody who has an eight or a nine figure portfolio. So a $10 million to $100 million portfolio. Um, and the things that they do, I noticed uh, through all the different conversations that I've been having, I noticed nine or 10 traits that were very similar that I could find in all of those people. And so I'd love to share that with your audience because I think they get a ton of value out of it as they look to build their portfolios. Yeah, that'd be great. But before we jump into it, I want to make sure everybody has your website because I know you have a lot of great content there as well. So head over to freelandventures.com and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But Josh, why don't we start with uh, your list? Sure. Yeah. So um, the first trait is, and I think this is a hard one for some people to do, even though they they should, which is to invest for cash flow now. Uh, the elite entrepreneurs, the guys that have built really big portfolios, meaning like legacy money, legacy wealth, like pass it down to your family, generational money, 10, 50 million, 100 million. Our portfolio now is $265 million. They invest for cash flow now. And Jack, the reason why this is number one for me is I didn't invest for cash flow in really the first eight to 10 years that I was an investor and even a coach, even a, a mentor to a lot of people. I did not invest for cash flow. So I was able to build a good income, build an amazing lifestyle. But the next transaction was always super important because I didn't have a lot of passive income and a lot of cash flow. We all read Rich Dad Poor Dad and multiple streams of income, Robert Allen, and we all learn about passive cash flow. But many investors, people that listen to you, Jack, and listen to this show, they know that that's the way they should go, but they want money today. So they decide to flip houses. They decide to flip buildings. They decide to wholesale properties, fix and flip. And all of a sudden, that's what happened to me. And eight, 10 years went by and I was like, oh my God, I am, I still don't have a whole lot of passive income. Then I got sick with cancer. We talked about that on your show last time. And I, I didn't work for nine months and I realized, wow, now I really needed that income. And so the eight and nine figure investors are willing to sacrifice a large paycheck today, holding the asset, cash flowing it, keeping the equity, 
to build the cash flow. And the cash flow is more important than the equity. The cash flow is more important than flipping a property and making income today. And the only regret that I have, Jack, is that I didn't keep every property that I flipped because that's an additional thousand doors I would have added to my portfolio. So trait number one of elite investors, whether they're active investors, passive investors, those guys that have eight and nine figure portfolios, they invest for cash flow today. They're willing to sacrifice other things to build cash flow now. That's the most important trait to long-term success is to do it today, not to wait. Jack, the second trait, and this is another big one, this is more for the entrepreneurs that are out there, whether you're in real estate full-time or maybe real estate's your part-time hustle, is that the elite entrepreneurs that I know have taken 100% responsibility for their life. Uh, They, and I learned this when I, again, got cancer and I was diagnosed, I realized that nobody was coming to my rescue, right? And Many people don't take a hundred percent accountability for themselves. They they don't they always blame somebody else. So when they have success, they say it's my fault. But when something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault. Well, elite entrepreneurs realize that everything that happens to them is an opportunity to learn a lesson. Um, as Joseph McClendon says, you know Tony Robbins is business partner. He says there's winners and learners. Elite entrepreneurs make no excuses. They take 100% responsibility for life. And then they, they're excited about designing and building a life for themselves. They realize that starting with their reasons, starting with their why, starting with their, you know, whether it's a vision board or some material things that they want, they realize that not only is nobody coming to their rescue, but that's a good thing because they can create, draft, build the life that they've always wanted, primarily through cash flow, which goes back to trait number one. So the elite entrepreneurs that I've met, interviewed, talked to, mentored, they make no excuses. You'll never hear a negative word come out of their mouth. You'll never hear an excuse come out of their mouth. They look at everything that happens, good, bad, ugly, as a way to either win or to learn a lesson that they can apply to the next stage of their life. So those two, and then number 10 that I'm going to share at the end, but those two to me, are the cornerstone of an elite entrepreneur. Investing for cash flow now and understanding that everything that somebody does is their decision. They're 100% responsible for their life. The rest of what I'm going to talk about is more about tactics, certain tactical things that they do. But concept, these are the two that make the most difference, that matter the most. Mm -hmm. So I guess, Jack, I'll stop there for a second because your audience may have some questions or you may have some questions. But that, to me, I want to make sure that invest for cash flow now. The eight, nine-figure guys that I hang out with, and even myself included, they're not flipping buildings and they don't make excuses. Those are the cornerstones. Yeah, I, those are particularly of interest. As you know, you say invest in cash flow now. I mentioned to you that at the end of the episode, we're going to have some rapid-fire questions. And one of those is, is regarding if you would if you would go back in time and and give yourself a piece of advice at any age what would it be more times than not it's exactly that i get that yeah. answer nearly every time it's it's simply starting sooner and and building that cash flow or holding some of the property that or most of the property that was already sold uh, yeah. i i can't tell you how many times i get that answer but i also think it's interesting that we've 
we going to get into the, the hustle and the grind when it comes to real estate investing. So whether you're wholesaling or fix and flipping or whatever, it becomes the status quo and we get caught up in that routine and we miss out on the concept of why we typically have gotten into real estate yeah. investing, which is that freedom. Right. And Jack too, I think some, some people are seduced by, Hey, I flip, I flip three houses a month or, you know, I wholesale two houses a week. Um, and you see a lot of ads on Facebook for, Hey, are you flipping at least three houses a week? Or are you flipping wholesaling at least five houses a month? And I'm like, I used to do that. I got my first full calendar year in business. We did over a hundred wholesale deals. Those were short sales that we wholesale back, um, in 2004, 2005, we were already focused on pre foreclosure. And at the end of that year, we had made over a million dollars of gross income. We kept about $500,000 of it. Me and my partner split it. We made $250,000 each. And all I could think about is, holy shit, we got to do that again. <laughs> we got to do it do that mm-hmm. again next year. Um, so, you know, and I didn't, I, I got seduced by that. And I, I thought this was the way, you know, people say, well, I own a business. My business is flipping houses and that's going to create passive income. That seduction doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't materialize into real cash flow. When we buy an apartment building, the apartment building may not cash flow on day one, but we're investing for cash flow now. We're willing to forgive flipping that building and selling it because maybe for the first year, there's just enough income to pay the debt service, to pay the uh, expenses, and maybe pay the prep return to our limited partners. But usually sometime around month eight, month 10, month 14, month 15, that's all, it's all positive cash flow now. And because we were willing to forgive some of that immediate gratification. Now we have cash flow forever, right? My mm-hmm. t-shirt, forever passive income. That's all I care about now. Forever passive income. Forever passive income, right? That's going to last forever. I can give to my kids. So that's where it's at. And I think, again, I think your advice, Jack, the question you said you'd ask at the end, that's exactly how I would have answered it, right? Is I wish I would have kept those thousand doors that I flipped, even though we made millions of dollars and have a great lifestyle. I wish I would have kept them all because then I would make a million dollars every year ongoing from those thousand doors. The other thing, Jack, I think that's really important. And this will lead me into the next trait. Trait number three is that whether you are flipping, whether you are wholesaling, whether you're buying apartments, the elite entrepreneurs, the elite eight and nine figure investors have super time management skills. And this is a whole different level of time management, a whole different style. Because when you're an eight, nine figure investor, you've got a big team and it's not about your time management skills. It's about managing the cadence of your entire organization. Okay. So for us, we have all of our business meetings, our like acquisition meeting, our, our property management meetings, what we call our leadership meeting, our operations meeting. Um, All of that happens on Monday and Wednesday, early in the week. And we don't meet in the morning. We meet in the afternoon because Monday coming out of the weekend, there's a lot of activity that happens on the weekend in real estate. We know there's open houses, there's leasing events, there's different Mm -hmm. things that happen on the weekends, motivated sellers, whether it's residential, commercial, a lot of times they can only respond on the weekends. So Monday morning is a critical time to never, never, never have a meeting of any kind. We don't have any meetings until 3 p.m. on Monday because that allows us Monday to just take care of everything that happened over the weekend. No meetings on Tuesday at all. Wednesday, we have our property management meetings. We have four different property managers that work for us. Each of those managers manages somewhere between 600 to 1,000 doors for us. 
we meet with each one of them every other week. So we have what we call a leadership meeting every other week. And the property managers are responsible for bringing in. But even in that meeting, we have an agenda. So you talk about super time management skills. When we have that meeting, we talk about CapEx first, capital improvements, rehab first, property management second, which includes leasing, includes collections, includes evictions, kickouts, new marketing initiatives. And then number three, we talk about special projects. Okay. So every meeting we walk into, my whole team knows. CapEx first, property management second, special projects third, okay? So, and then on Thursday and Friday, no meetings at all. My team knows we're not allowed to have meetings. I don't, nobody's allowed to call a meeting. It's just put your head down, stay in your swim lane, get your work done, okay? And so Tuesdays is a, is, is a head down uh, revenue producing day. Thursday and Friday are head down revenue producing day. Monday afternoon and most of Wednesday are the meeting days for my team. And that cadence has worked out really, really well. And I find this trait to be true in all the other elite entrepreneurs that I've met. They have some sort of cadence that works for them and their team gets in a groove. So like my team knows when they're done on Monday, going into Tuesday at two o'clock, it's kind of a pencils down moment. Because then late on Tuesday, at the very end of the day, my construction team meets. They meet without me, and they regroup at the end of the day Tuesday so that they can prep for Wednesday's meetings, okay? What this has also allowed me to do, Jack, as an entrepreneur, is I'm not stuck in meetings all week. I'm not babysitting things all week. I've got basically Monday afternoon and Wednesday that I may be in a meeting, but otherwise I'm free to go on tours. I'm free to secret shop my team. I'm free to show up at buildings. I'm free to do acquisitions, raise money from private investors, go golfing, spend time with my wife and kids, go to my campsite, go swimming in the middle of the day, whatever I want to do. Okay. So that's really, really important. Uh, I learned this skill originally from Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan teaches a thing called the personal economic system. I learned this over 20 years ago. He talked about free days, focus days, and buffer days. I still use that in my business with a lot of modification, but essentially Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is a focus day. Monday afternoon and Wednesday is a buffer day. And then I also have a lot of free days. Like this whole summer, I've pretty much gotten, I've taken everything off my calendar, Jack, Thursday and Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I might be working, but I'm not planning any meetings at all. I might be mm. golfing. I might be at my campsite. So those super time management skills is not just about managing you. It's about managing your whole organization, uh, which leads me, Jack, to number four. Number four is huge. And this is really for every single person that's going to listen to this. Elite entrepreneurs refuse and avoid what I call the screen-sucking OCD loop. Okay? The screen-sucking OCD loop. How many times, let me ask our audience here, Jack, or ask you, how many times have you woken up in the morning, you know, your phone's right next to your bed, and your alarm goes off, and you literally roll over in bed, and the first thing you do is look at Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Yahoo, Yahoo Finance. All of a sudden, you're surfing the internet. Then you're still laying in bed, and you finally roll over, you grab a cup of coffee, you open up your phone, and you open up your email. And all of a sudden you're sitting at your island in your kitchen and you're reading through emails on your phone. And then all of a sudden you check your second email that you usually don't really check, but you think you might as well check it anyway. 
and you're looking up your sales stats, you're looking up your sales numbers, you got an email from a friend, then you go back, check your Facebook groups, and all of a sudden you woke up at 6.30, and now it's nine in the morning, and two and a half hours has gone by, and all you've done is screen sucked, okay? And so I use technology, elite entrepreneurs use technology and social media with purpose. It's usually to push content out to the world, to out to their tribe, out to the masses. And they consume during certain times of the day. They allocate time in their schedule to actually go on Facebook, but for specific reasons, or go on Instagram, right? Or go on Snapchat, or go on Yahoo Finance for specific reasons. I actually delete my social media apps from my phone and then download them when I want to use them. And then as soon as I'm done using them, I delete them again because the screen sucking OCD loop can pull in all this negativity, all this toxic, all these leeches, all these things that just suck up my time and energy and attention. But at the end of the day, Jack is completely meaningless. I'm not going to be better off watching any of that crap than if I had just skipped it all together. But you got to have discipline. Elite entrepreneurs have the discipline not to get stuck in this loop, right? And Jack, I'm sure you guys have talked about this with your audience as well, about just the focus that needs to be there to be elite. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because I've done the same thing regarding social media apps. I typically don't have them installed or they're not on my home screen. They, I have to, I actually have to take steps to get to it versus yeah versus it just being readily available but uh yeah that's really interesting um because you're absolutely right the first thing any of us do is probably do exactly yeah. that why and you know why because every time we get a like every time we get a comment every time we get engagement it actually releases dopamine in our brains it's proven scientific fact the same dopamine that's released through exotic drugs, right? Like cocaine and ecstasy and things like that. This extra dopamine that comes out of our brains, it makes us feel good, mm-hmm. right? And that feeling, that exotic feeling of the dopamine being released in your brain comes from all this engagement that we're feeling. But is it really meaningful, right? Like cocaine is not good for us. It's, right. it's not good. So this, this, this love that we think we're feeling, is it really meaningful or is it just extra likes, extra comments, extra stuff that really isn't going to go anywhere? And Jack, I would also add, there's also negative people, negative organizations and negative groups. I'll give you an example. My father, I graduated from a private Catholic high school called Padua Franciscan. Well, after I graduated, my dad thought it would be cool if he worked on the board. Well, the board is a volunteer position. And at the end of a year of being on the board, he's like, Josh, nothing changes. This is such a big institution that nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So I went to all these meetings. I had all these conversations. It didn't go anywhere. So I'm going to resign from the board. Like, even though I don't want to you know, call my old high school a leech, that is a leech. Like, if even family, like, look, you might think, oh, I, you know, I've got this cousin or I've got this brother or sister that I can't stand. Guys, look, that's what Easter and Christmas are for, right? Like that is not adding value to your life. Go spend your time with somebody else. But so that it's not just the screen sucking OCD loop. It could be any loop that has a negative impact on our life. And elite entrepreneurs recognize it and they want to step away from it. I did it with the news. 
you know, the amount of that can get you caught up. And it, frankly, it's just there to, to get you worked up in one way or or another. I've I've pretty much stopped. And uh, what I've found is that if it's something that I really need to know, somebody will tell me about it. That's right. You know, I'll tell you a story about that too. Look, in the summer of 2020, the COVID summer, also the election summer, the 2020 election, Mm -hmm. I took my family, we disappeared, we went down to Naples, Florida for six weeks. We rented a house for six weeks. Like a lot of the the country was locked down. Florida was wide open and we went down there. But here's what happened. We would swim in the morning. We'd swim in the afternoon. We'd go to the beach. In the afternoon, we'd come back to the house and I would grab a glass of wine and I would turn on Fox News. And I got wrapped up in all the riots, the George Floyd riots, the election, the COVID, and I was drinking. What I was not not like, you know, not overly, but I was drinking wine. So I would sit there and do for almost five weeks. I was watching this news almost every afternoon. I got totally sucked in it. Now, remember, you remember there wasn't a whole lot to do back then, right? It was like the mm-hmm. whole world was pretty much locked down. Today, I look back and I'm like, you know what? I haven't watched the news much at all since then. And my life is better today without it, right? Yep. So that was a unique example because of the time of year and really that time in our lives was such a chaotic summer um, that I was I was I was sucked into it. But it was all negative. It was all garbage. And so mm-hmm. elite entrepreneurs recognize that and get away from it. Um, Jack, number five, the number five thing that I've observed in elite entrepreneurs and eight and nine figure investors is that they do use technology as a weapon. And what I mean is not necessarily social media. But they use software. So we have a rule in our business, Jack, that says if it's not in the software, it didn't happen. Okay? So don't text me that we had this leasing event and we leased out six more units at this building. Don't text me or email me that we have a new acquisition going on and we're underwriting a new building. If it's not in the software, it didn't happen. The only way that you can scale from zero units to 4,300 units like we have, and be able to manage all that and communicate with all the team is if people can log in and they can see reports and they can see updates and they can see photos and pictures all in one place and people can collaborate, right? See, I hate it when I have to go all over my computer and dig through my email to find an important report. Such a waste of time. And when we've got all these people who are collaborating on construction projects and leasing projects and acquisitions, we don't have time to dig through all that stuff. So our rule is if it's not in the software, it didn't happen, right? So elite entrepreneurs and big investors, they don't operate out of email. They don't operate of text messages. They don't use WhatsApp. They don't use, you know, Messenger from Facebook. They use software like Infusionsoft or Basecamp or some of the other project management softwares, Appfolio. We use a program called Builder Trend. These are all softwares that I can log into from my phone or from mm-hmm. my desktop and access this data anytime I want to see it. I don't have to reach out to my team and be like, where's this? Where's that? Where's this report? It's all in the software and it's easily accessible. That saves us time and money and it's hugely important for scale. Yeah. We use a, a tool called Asana on everything yeah. and, and all of our contractors, we do everything. We invite everybody to it because anytime we do a project, it's all, all the communications are right there associated with that project. And it, it just facilitates everything. That's it, it works really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the last couple here, Jack, the lead entrepreneurs that I've hung, I hang out with 
They know exactly what they want. They have reasons. Some people call it their why. This is my why. This is why I do things. I call them our reasons. These are our reasons why we do shit. This is our reasons why we're building this company. So we don't have a goal, Jack, of like, hey, we want to own 10,000 units or 25,000 units. Our stated objective in our business is to buy 950 units a year. The reason why, the reason is because on average, we make about 14 per year per unit that we own. That's the net free cash flow. After all the investors are paid, after all the debts paid, and after all the expenses are paid, we get to keep about $1,400 per year per unit. So 950 units times 1,400 is $1.2 million a year. It's $100,000 a month. So our stated goal is to add $100,000 a month net cash flow year. And 950 is also very doable for us. We've done that many times in the past. We continue to work to do it this year. But I know exactly why. And it's because me and my business partners, we all want to be completely done. Uh, we're all financially independent now. But we're going to be completely done working by the time we're 50. See, my father died at 71 years old. He worked until he was 66. Then he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and died five or six years later. He never got to enjoy the fruits of his work. He owned a business, he owned a financial an employee benefits company, a financial services company. He never got to enjoy a freaking lick of retirement, not one. So this whole idea of being financially independent, retiring early is real. It's real for us because we created the house that we want, the car that we want, the business that we want, the passive income that we want. So every day I'm fighting to buy these 950 units, not just for me but for my employees, my business partners, because that's going to set all of them free on top of myself, right? Mm -hmm. This is really important. And I would say, look, if you're having trouble getting motivated, it's because your reasons are not strong enough. And I would take it one step further, Jack, and say, if you're not motivated and your reasons aren't strong enough, it's because you're not doing things for other people, okay? So number six is that these elite entrepreneurs know the end result that they're trying to achieve and they're trying to do it for someone. See, I get more motivation out of waking up and doing things for my wife, my kids, my employees, my mother, who's now a widow. I fight for them more than just, hey, adding another $100,000 a month to my income. That's not going to change my life. So, but to do it for them to make sure my mom could be fully retired, to make sure that you know my nieces and nephews who don't necessarily have a lot, that I can take care of them if needed. I can put them through college if needed. That's what motivates someone when they don't need to be motivated by money anymore. It's, by, it's, it's about doing something for someone else. So that's number six, that end result and having the motivation be through and for someone else. That's the difference. A lot of entrepreneurs that do, maybe they build a $5 million business or an $8 million business or a $10 million business. Great. A lot of times they're doing it for themselves. It's very selfish. It's about the house. It's about the car, the Lamborghini, the whatever. If you really want to build a huge business, an eight or a nine figure business, do it for someone else. That's what's going to get you and keep you motivated. And Jack, look, the, the next one that I've, I've, I've recognized in elite entrepreneurs is exactly what you and I are doing right now. They, number seven, Elite entrepreneurs scale the one-to-many concept, okay? The one-to-many concept, meaning how can I get out and teach and speak and impact many people 
by myself. The one, Jack, you and I, like recording this, this is mm-hmm. going to go out to thousands and thousands of people, and they're going to listen to this. They're going to watch this. We're going to have an impact on their life. So elite entrepreneurs realize that they never just do one-on-one meetings. Like I don't ever have coffee anymore with people. I don't go to lunch with one person anymore ever. Never, never, never. The only person I go to lunch with is my wife, right? I don't even stop to have lunch with my business partners. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to take time out to talk. I'm going to do it in front of an audience. So elite entrepreneurs ask themselves, how can I teach? How can I speak in front of big crowds and have the biggest impact as possible and scale this one person to many people concept? Okay. Mm -hmm. Like Mark Cuban, when he's on Shark Tank, that's the one to many. Kevin O'Leary, when he records a, a video and puts it on Facebook, that's one to many. This podcast is one for the two of us to many people. Okay. You want to be elite. You want to have a big business. You want to have a lot of investors. You want to do lots of doors. You can't do it talking to people one-on-one. You have to do it talking one to many. Okay. Yeah. Big, big, big input. And Jack, like, why, like, why do you do this podcast? Right. So you can have a huge impact on a lot of people instead of just one at a time. Well, it's, it's part of that whole go giver situation you want to do like you mentioned earlier you want to help as many people as you can um but uh the other part is is building your network you know i this is a you know and it it proved to be even more important to me during the lockdowns and a few other things because you know you're trying to surround yourself by with like-minded individuals this was you're you're one of the five people you hang out with the most as far as i'm concerned this podcast is one of my five there you go. I love it, right? These the, all the people that you get to interview and socialize with and talk to, build your network. That's one of your five. That's great, especially if your other five are like your high school buddies, right? This this podcast right. is going to have so much of an impact. It's going to carry so much weight that if you have like the old school buddy who still maybe just works at FedEx delivering boxes, but he's your friend from high school or grade school. I've got several of those. Yeah, like those guys are not going to have an impact on my financial life. But a podcast like this will have an overwhelming impact on my financial life and other people. It makes up for, you know, being friends with real friends, old school friends. Right. right. Um, so, Jack, just rounding here third and heading for home. Number eight is, look, everybody wants to build a big business. And so many people are worried about price, right? They're worried about the price. How can I, you know, get the lowest price? How can I have a, a, a sale, a flash sale, some sort of price? Well, look, elite entrepreneurs that really own massive portfolios, big e-commerce businesses, they realize that service trumps price. White glove property management, white glove service will bring back customers. Those customers will refer customers. Those customers will create reviews and give you five-star ratings just like all of you guys should give Jack a five-star rating for this podcast. Um, they will, that service allows you to charge more. I don't want to ever be in the middle when I run a business and I've had lots of different companies. I've sold over $50 million of stuff online, coaching and seminars and workshops and things like that. I never wanted to be the middleman. I either want to be the cheapest or I want to be the best in Apple computer. I want to be one or the other. I don't want to be anybody else that's in the middle. Elite entrepreneurs pick one or the other. You can either win by being the cheapest or you can win by having the best product and the best service. I don't like being cheap. My life is not cheap. So I can't go the Walmart way. I've got to go service and service allows me to charge more for my apartments, to charge more for my leases, to be one of the top end units in the area. 
and people flock to my apartments because of the service and the brand and the product that we put together. Elite entrepreneurs realize that service trumps price. The last one, Jack, is look, the business, running a business, you run a business, I run a business, hopefully everybody on this podcast is listening, running a business, you realize that even though we said earlier, use technology as a weapon, that was number five, use technology as a weapon, you realize that people need to still work the systems. So number nine is the business of running a business is the people. You have to take care of people. Culture cures everything. I have people that work for me now, Jack, that have gotten offers to work other places for 30, 40, 50% more money, but they work for me because the way I treat them, they, they get to work from home. They get to take care of their kids. They get to leave early for doctor's appointments. They get to leave early for long weekends. We bonus them every time we buy a property. The business of business is people. And so recruiting, everybody says, oh, we have this big labor shortage. We absolutely have a massive labor shortage. But what people are searching for, what workers are searching for, is a business with an amazing leadership and culture. Okay? And so you realize if you're going to be the leader, if you're going to be the elite entrepreneur, if you're going to run the company, you have to make sure that you know your people. And you know, going back to, again, number seven, their reasons the best businesses, the best leaders are not people that went to business school or law school that are in a leadership position. Like I can be at a partner in a law firm and be in a leadership position, but be a terrible leader. See the difference? Mm-hmm. So the business of businesses, people is leaders, true leaders. They don't have to graduate from high school. They don't have to graduate from college, but they have to realize what are other people in the organization motivated by? The more you can get to know people, even if you have a huge organization with hundreds of thousands of people, if you could spend five or 10 minutes with each one of your workers and ask them what's their reasons why they're doing what they're doing and just act as if you care because you do care about their life, spend the extra couple minutes, those people will absolutely go to hell. They'll walk into the fires of hell for you because you're a great leader and because you care about them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great leaders realize it's all about the people. Last Jack, I got one bonus. Uh, I know we're running out of time, but bonus uh, trade, which is all the elite entrepreneurs that I know are super niche. That's the bonus. They're all super niche. They have a superpower. And even within their organization, Jack, they have a superpower. Like I have a great organization. We have a great culture. We've, we own a huge portfolio, but even within my organization, my superpower is two things. It's the one-to-many concept. It's it's being in front of a lot of people. And then when people show some interest in what we're doing, maybe they go to our website, maybe they go and register on our website, they opt in. Then I go super personal. I meet with our investors on a one-on-one basis. I create long-term relationships with our investors. I don't just put them on a webinar, group them all together and pitch them all a deal. I get to know, you know, about their wife, their, their, their husbands, their kids, what's their reasons that they need to invest their capital. So I've gone super niche and I let the rest of my team handle other things like construction, property management, acquisitions, so that I can focus on getting and raising all the capital. So even within my big organization, I have a super niche role and the lead entrepreneurs realize they can't do everything. They can't be everything right? They have to have one superpower. 
And my superpower is what allows us to buy big deals, to buy big assets, 15, 20, 30, $50 million assets. Last year, we bought a $100 million apartment complex. Um, that's what allows someone to be an elite entrepreneur is recognizing what their superpower is and staying in that swim lane as much as possible. Okay. So Jack, there you have it. I know I went through it quick, man. I hope that was, you know, I hope that was people were taking notes and, and, and doing it quickly. I know we're short on time, but those are the nine or 10 traits that I've witnessed in dozens and dozens and dozens of elite entrepreneurs. And if your audience wants to get there, those are the traits they've got to have. Yeah. And if you want more information, just a reminder, head over to free freeland.com and I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but freeland and uh, check out episode number 151. That was an awesome episode with uh, Josh as well. Josh, you also have a podcast, right? They can find that as well on your website. Yep. They can just go to the website. The podcast is there. We have a little Facebook group, um, passive investments. They can see our portfolio. Uh, we only buy suburban B-class apartments so they can see what our buying criteria is. If they ever want a JV on a deal, all that stuff is on our main website. You bet. Well, if you still have a few minutes, I'll do, we'll do our couple rapid fire questions and, and, uh, but, uh, this yeah. will be fun. Let's do it. Well, you've already answered one of them. So we're going to skip the one, but, um, but here's your, number one is here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth that you've heard. Like what, what do you want to bust today? Well, look, one of the things I will say is even though I focus on capital, people say, well, find the deal and the capital will come. That's total bullshit. That's a total myth. Um, you have to be constantly talking with investors and presenting just high level what deals look like. So if you're if you're doing fix and flips and you're recruiting private money, you have to present that. How can people get maybe a ten percent return, fifteen percent of your profits, whichever is greater? That's what that's one of the deals I used to offer people. You have to present that ahead of time so that when you find the next deal that the money's already warmed up. I've seen a lot of people lose a lot of money with rehabs and apartment buildings because they thought, hey, I'm going to get the deal and the money will follow. Well, the money's going to be there, but sometimes it takes a while to warm the money up so the money's ready to actually deploy. And uh, you you are, you and I are on the same page on that. In fact, there's I, I did a recent rant regarding exactly that. Uh, but anyway, um, you can't say rich dad, poor dad. Uh, but what other book would you recommend or what are you reading right now? Oh yeah. So I, I would, I would read anything by Simon Sinek, uh, the infinite game, uh, start with why I love Simon Simon's books. I'm, I'm reading uh, the infinite game. I'm listening to it right now for the second time. Anything by Michael McCallowitz, the pumpkin plan, uh, the toilet paper entrepreneur. Um, his stuff is great. Profit first. Um, any of those books are fantastic. And then, you know, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty good leader, so I look, read a lot of leadership stuff. Anything by Jocko Willink that's leadership-based. Um, and, of course, Dan Sullivan's um, Who Not How is his latest book. I've been following Dan for over 25 years, um, and Dan's stuff is invaluable. I love it. So anything by um, by Dan Sullivan. Yeah. Well, I, I've had Michael McElowitz on the show, so check out that past episode. That was awesome as well. Anyway, um what is the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Um, I don't know if there's a piece of advice that I've received. Um, I would say, look, I think what drives my life is that funding equals freedom. Okay. And I think I've gathered that up from lots of people is that the person who, you know, they say cash is king, 
right? And it, it kind of is true. Like if you have access to cash, and I'm not talking about debt from banks, because we use debt with all of our apartment buildings, but I'm talking about private investors, private money, private relationships with real private dollars. And I'm not talking about the institutional dollars. I'm not talking about going to like a family office. I'm not talking about going to like a private equity fund. I'm talking about guys, Jack, like you and I both know. The friends, the family, the people within our circle, our colleagues, maybe it's a marketing funnel, but they're real regular people who've got 100000 to a $1 million to deploy. That type of funding is what makes real freedom because it's the last 10 or 20% of the capital stack that's the hardest to get. So if you can have those kind of relationships with that kind of funding, you can absolutely have permanent financial freedom. Sure. Well, on the flip side, did you ever have a advice that you thought was just terrible? Well, I think I mentioned it like just off the top of my head is that like find the deal and the money will come like that. That mm-hmm. we talked about that. Look, I think if I could again, pass along a piece of advice, like my father, when I was diagnosed with cancer, my father said to me, he's like, look, son, this, this type of, of cancer has like a 7% survival rate and you were able to survive. It was only by God's grace. Uh, my surgeon, Dr. Walsh, um, I had nothing to do with that survival, by the way. I, I wasn't, I was just laying there on the operating table when, when it all happened. Um, but he said, son, you were spared for a reason. And then the second half of your life, you better find out why. And you better put that into place. You better put that into action because most people don't get the second chance that you've been given. And so a lot of these traits and a lot of the stuff we've talked about today comes from that passion, Jack. It's about the passion that I have for helping other people to learn the lessons that I've learned without having to go through what I went through. You know what I mean? And, and look, I look, man, like I I would be considered, I think most of my friends who do really well would be considered kind of that millionaire next door, right? That somebody that's really wealthy that you would never know. Uh, That's definitely how I act. However, there are times when I, 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 I have to show off a little bit. You have to brag a little bit because you have to build your business. You have to be out there talking to people. And so my wife is super conservative. I'm really conservative. I don't like to talk about money in front of my friends, but there's times when people are starting to talk about they've done this and they've done that and they earn this big commission. And then I'll, then I'll, I'll tell them like, yeah, you know, um, yeah, last, last, uh, last 12 months, we bought 1300 units of apartments was with a hundred million dollars. And they're like, Holy, you know what I mean? So sometimes you gotta, you gotta come out swinging um, and you got to kind of punch people in the face before they punch you. So, you know, those are some things that we kind of live by. Hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, that was a great way to end this. Josh, I really appreciate your time again. You're welcome back always. And uh, again, it is uh, Freeland. Um, I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but you can see there's a ton of value that Josh brings to this show. And uh, I would really recommend you checking out his podcast as well. So thank you again, Josh. And I hope to chat again sometime and maybe not so long of a wait next time. Yeah, you bet, Jack. Thanks again for having me on. We'll make it shorter. Absolutely. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.